This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your host, Javi. And I think this is the first time that we're talking about a new movie since The Batman. So it's been a few months since we've done this. Has Actually, it? it's been a few months since we've been putting out regular episodes. So I think we should give ourselves at least a little bit of credit that we're, it looks like we're starting to kind of figure out this, uh, this doing more regular episodes thing way better than we were doing like in the middle of this year. Now what it is, it's it's lulling everyone to a false sense of security for when we take a six-week hiatus and don't tell anybody about it. All right, so we're talking about Jurassic World Dominion. This is the third movie in the Jurassic World franchise. And uh, unfortunately, name with, right. <laughs> unfortunately, with the exception of the Lost World Jurassic Park, which we have not reviewed, we almost reviewed every movie in this franchise already. Yeah, too bad we're never going to review Lost World because that movie sucked. I would argue about Lost World with you over you can, and over and over again. You can argue that you're wrong and that movie sucks. Uh, that movie's better, definitely better than this week's movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a very low bar. All right, look. So initially when I watched this, I watched this last week. Like yeah. we, we've, we've had a week since we really kind of watched this. And honestly, if you were to ask me the moment I walked out of that movie or the moment I finished watching it on Saturday, the week it came out, my first initial thoughts were, I don't know why people don't like this. It's really not that bad. Mm -hmm. And the more I've kind of marinated on it and sat about it, thinking about it, I, it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's, it's not that good. And I think that's the disappointing part of it. They should have called it Jurassic World Dominion. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? Disgusting. I'm so good at this. I'm such a good <laughs> podcaster, you guys. <laughs> There's a Jurassic World Dominion of movie podcasters right now. Oh, do- you're lucky I didn't do the Jurassic World Dominion joke that I was trying to do earlier. <laughs> yeah, that just stinks. Yeah, just like this movie. all right so we get the return of colin trevorrow the director that we were talking about last week when we talked jurassic world and about how you know hey that was his first jab at a movie franchise he was supposed to do star wars ends up not happening i think he's done i don't know what he's done in between these movies very much but it's weird i do get a bit of a like it's funny that we mentioned star wars episode nine because mm-hmm. I do get a little Star Wars episode nine in this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, doesn't this feel it. like this was probably a different movie when it was conceived? And what we're watching right now feels like something that was kind of like slapped together, like in the year of COVID. Like, you know, like it just feels like this movie probably in the year that they took off editing because it was originally supposed to come out like mid last year. I think in the year that they took off for editing for this movie, I don't know, maybe something went wrong, but it just really. There, it's it's not it's not 
I, I don't get it. Yeah, like, it, it feels like it's not what it was supposed to be. And uh, it for a movie that like brought back all the original cast from all the other movies, you would think that it would be a, a lot better. And honestly, I think what it really makes me think of is how sometimes like franchise like closing movies, quote unquote, they don't really stick the landing very well. Yeah, I was about to say, I was actually about <laughs> to use that exact same phrase that sometimes when you have a trilogy trying to tell an entire story, it's like, yeah, it's hard to stick landings as yeah. opposed to like, for example, the, 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 what's it called? The uh, crap, what the, the, for the, the dollars trilogy with Clint Eastwood, how every movie is its own separate story just involving the same character the um, avengers trilogy i mean there is there I mean, well it's not really a trilogy really, i guess yeah you know but but it did but it was the ending of a it was originally meant to be a trilogy and they just split that last movie into like two massive like movies to to kind of expand it more but i i do consider endgame being a close of a franchise yeah, because but i mean that was honestly all... everything and i i saw a meme that said this but it totally feels right Everything that Marvel has put out non-Spider-Man related since Avengers feels like side quests, like in a video game. <laughs> well, no, that's uh, that's actually 100% true. Like, that's always what the solo movies feel like until, you know, they make good movies like No Way Home <laughs> or Multiverse of Madness. And or... even No Way Home was like the closing of a franchise, too, because it like it closed the Spider-Man franchise in a way. It just, you know what I mean? Like outside of well, maybe Marvel, I don't know that any other movie has, well, there is one movie franchise that we have not reviewed on this podcast. And I think if we start talking about how movies never accurately close uh, their franchises, we may have to review it one day. Well, no, that, well, the point I'm just trying to make is that when you create a movie where it's which you're trying to do one coherent storyline we try mm -hmm. to do we try to do a movie series and you try to create one per you know one perpetuating storyline that that you know is encompassed in these three films or four whatever you want to do um and i have a feeling you're gonna say lord of the rings i'm gonna hate you <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Fuck, I don't have 12 hours to watch Lord of the Rings. Dude, Lord of the Rings, that third movie won the, it swept the Academy Awards. Like, that, it, that's how big that movie was. Yeah. So, honestly, and I think if we're, if we're worth our salt as movie podcasters in any way, I think we will have to do that franchise at some point. <laughs> it's funny that I play Dungeons and Dragons because I hate fantasy. Like, <laughs> I feel the fantasy setting is so lame. But, like, I love playing D&D. &D, but I'd actually be down to do it. I've been, I've been more opening, open to the genre since I started playing. I but, think we have to. I think we're going to have to at some point this year. It, but, neither one of us have watched the movies in the franchise, right? No, like, I've, I mean, I've watched I've watched two of the Hobbit movies and I watched Fellowship and part of Two Towers. I've never seen Return of the King. I've only seen the Fellowship and I've watched part of Two Towers. And this was so long ago that I will legitimately feel like I'm watching these movies for the first time. If we like, I'm not going to lie. I watched Desolation of Smog. That movie was pretty cool. Didn't watch the first movie, so I have no, I had no <laughs> idea what was going on. 
right. but I mean the point the point is is that when you're trying to make trilogies like it, it's interesting there's certain movies where you just make trilogies or you make series with the same character movies like Indiana Jones movies mm-hmm. like the dollars trilogies obviously those those movies are easier to make because you don't have to worry about tying up loose ends this movie just proves that unless you stick with one person throughout who has one like main like one main goal in mind for this series it's gonna fall apart and it happened with star wars uh the 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 new trilogy happened with this movie like it's just it's unless you have a like clear-cut idea like marvel does and has a five-year plan on how to make these stories work they just usually fall apart in the third movie in that franchise is just it's just hard to stick landings (laughs) agreed all right all right anyway <laughs> I didn't mean to turn this into a a, a movie trilogy pod uh, like episode, but all right, let's get into the movie that we are doing. So wait, this... wait, wait! You didn't mean to turn the movie about a the third movie and a or was it a podcast about the third movie and a trilogy into a trilogy episode? Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, but it lends itself. It does. I I, it, I think it's a thing that we kind of we discuss it in some ways when we did Endgame, but I think in Endgame we kind of discuss how. It feels more like the ending of a television series, too, in some ways. That is true. Well, I mean, we'll talk a lot about it way more when we have 15 hours of content with the goddamn Tolkien (laughs) movie. All right. Anyway, um, so Jurassic World Dominion, this movie takes place after uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which for those of you who do not remember, I I can just do a quick run through of what this entire trilogy is so the movie we talked about last week was jurassic world and what jurassic world did that was kind of revolutionary like the first the first like real innovation since the first one is we got the open theme park we got to see what the theme park looked like and going back to see that movie right before watching this one and even remembering uh as much as i do of fallen kingdom because i for some reason i bought it when it came out (laughs) um knowing as much i feel like doesn't it feel like this jurassic world franchise in some ways it is closer to the i mean it's it's close to the kind of Crichton tradition in that it's using dinosaurs to tell stories about other things mm-hmm. whereas like his movies were a commentary on you know genetic splicing and genetic engineering this this franchise feels like it's been more of a comment on capitalism itself <laughs> yeah i mean it just shows that once again there is no there's no ethical consumption under capitalist systems right and uh, you always root for the raptors well you know what and, and 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 that's not totally lost in the Crichton tradition as well because one of the things that Crichton criticizes in Jurassic Park like in text is the fact that you know, at some point, genetic research and all science was driven by like universities and public mm-hmm. funds and stuff like that. But once and businesses get involved, exactly, that's where reached... the whole ethics of it goes out the window. Exactly. And I think that goes for space exploration. I think that goes for genetic engineering. I think that goes for, you know, nuclear, nuclear fusion or nuclear whatever that thing Um, that just nuclear proliferation in general right it's just it's our discovery 
is being fueled by the need to privatize innovation, right? Yeah. And I think tech does that. I mean, like even tech does that. And in in one of the things that this movie does is they decide to take a character from the original Jurassic Park movie, Lewis Dodgson. Of mm-hmm. course, they recasted him in this movie and it's a little dark, but the reason why they recasted him in the movie is because the guy who initially played him like went to jail for like some sort of domestic violence uh, deal. So they would never bring that guy back. So they definitely mm-hmm. had to had to recast uh, the character in that movie. Uh, it's now Dodgson, though he never appears in the movie franchise beyond that first Jurassic movie, in he is the main villain of the Lost World, the novel. Mm-hmm. And um, it, so, like the fact that they're bringing Biasin back, which Biasin being like the company name is like the most evil company name you could think of <laughs> for real and it's funny because it's just what biological synthesis or some shit like mm-hmm. that but you put it together it just sounds more evil <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh yeah he's the he's the main villain in that one and uh yeah it, it bringing him back again it feels like this franchise this like second franchise has definitely been uh kind of bringing us back to to the book in some ways yeah i could definitely see that like it, it, it i mean i think this is very true to the themes that you like you were saying the uh, really true to the themes Crichton was trying to get across mm-hmm. um just talking about like the unethical especially like i think that's really important is just how ethics gets thrown out the window through privatization mm-hmm. um and it's something that we're actually living through now <laughs> as more and more like scientific study becomes privatized and starts becoming funded by these companies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy how much we're uh, willing to sacrifice just for money. And if you don't believe me, just look at Boston dynamics. Now they're creating human catchers. <laughs> Those robots will not stop until they crush us all. <laughs> but um yeah, so the, I, I like the way this movie starts out because it starts out with uh, like a now this Instagram, like Instagram uh, TikTok style video playing where they just give you the short and, short and skinny of what's going on and they give you a really quick recap of kind of where the world's at now. And the idea is that I guess it's supposed to be real time that in 2022, um, after the events of uh a fallen kingdom mm-hmm. where our heroes owen and claire managed to uh save a bunch of the dinosaurs from isla nubler after a volcanic eruption a bunch of them made it to the mainland but after breaking up a black market um sell sale ring of the dinosaurs they then they then escaped pretty much all over the world and are now just kind of existing. And uh, the video kind of focuses on what world governments are trying to do to um, whether they treat these creatures as, uh, or they they treat these animals as um, endangered species, or if they treat them like monstrosities and if they should destroy them. And then they like show public opinion polls where it's like, half and half people believe that you they should destroy the dinosaurs less people believe that they should save them and it just poses the question that can humans live alongside the dinosaurs again Mm -hmm. 
Uh, they also give us a um, kind of a callback from the second or from uh, Fallen Kingdom, where they talk about uh, Maisie Lockwood um, possibly <laughs> possibly existing. Because I was trying to remember the whole subplot with Maisie. If you can remind me real quick from uh, Fallen Kingdom, it so was in, that in yeah, Fallen no, Kingdom they in Fallen Kingdom they imply that she well they pretty much just tell you that that she the reason why she was genetically created was because Benjamin Lockwood wanted to you know had lost a daughter and he was so distraught over it that he basically used the engine genetic engineering whatever magic they use to bring dinosaurs back and, no, and use it magic. to clone a human being well it is magic right like this isn't they they talk about actual like you know genetic engineering uh, techniques in the book but you know again this is all fantasy in 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 real life i prefer sci-fi but go yeah. on <laughs> go on king no, that that's it. That, that that's the reason why she exists in that movie. In that movie, they posit so that she keep, that the reason why she exists was because she was you know cloned. And, so and, keep that in mind, all of y'all, as you watch this movie on the or as you listen to this podcast on the <laughs> movie, you probably should have seen before listening that the last movie said that she is an abomination and that she has been cloned. Well, yeah, she's the one who sets the dinosaurs free. She's the one who put this all into motion because she releases them from the mansion mm-hmm. so and... she is to blame for the dinosaur apocalypse and well, our lack of dino men that I, you know I what despite the fact that the implication at the end of fallen kingdom is that this will bring on a dinosaur apocalypse including like the scene of mosasaurus almost eating like surfers mm-hmm. i feel like this movie actually does a 180 in that and I don't know if it's that like a like a post-COVID thing where they just didn't want to go even gloomier and gloomier in like well, the mean, world-changing events, but it feels more like the point of this is telling us that that we are now kind of in a world, and it feel and it does feel Marvel in the way that like you know how Marvel like exists at least those first movies in each character's franchise like exists in something that feels like the world you live in mm-hmm. and then it progressively gets more like crazy <laughs> yeah it just progressively gets more sci-fi yeah. until like you're in a movie where like half the people on earth are gone and yet everything still kind of looks like the world you live in that's kind of how this is is that now this is this is definitely ventured into you know and it had to it had to Jurassic World had to go here because this is what the last movie where the last movie told you it was going where it's like now we live in this like world where dinosaurs are now cohabitating with with like you know the creatures of now as well well what i like about that is it's very much like depositing the the it's kind of gives you the lesson of living post-covid where it's like hey this horrible disease happened this horrible thing happened and a lot of people suffered and a lot of people died but now we're living with it and we just have to and life continues the world didn't end the worst case scenario we thought was going to happen what didn't happen mm, and although, it feels very climate change too because mm-hmm. we're living in a world i mean even now with climate change we're living in a world 
where hurricanes, floods happen at a rate that's much more high than, than even scientists predicted, we are now living like in stuff that's very abnormal, but because mm-hmm. we have no choice but to accept and exist in the world that we live in, it, it feels about as normal as it can, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after so after the Now This video, uh, it cuts to uh, Claire kind of leading a, t- a, a, a group of, um, I want to say eco-terrorists but she's working with uh people from the dinosaur protection group whom whom she worked with uh in the last movie in fallen kingdom um when they were a essentially dinosaur rights lobby um and it's they're going into these like breeding um like illegal breeding pens where they find out like it's out in texas out in the desert and they go into what what feels like a cattle farm and they find out that there's like baby triceratops that are being held there and they're left to assume it's like a weird illegal breeding like mill so they use video or they take video of the whole scenario and they manage to save one of the babies knowing that uh it was it wouldn't make it um by daylight or by daybreak they're saying so they managed to escape with the baby after a very harrowing chase from the ranchers who then, you know, load up on guns and start firing at them. And all this scene needed was banjo chase music. <laughs> but as they're like trying to escape, Claire takes them through this field where she intentionally starts a triceratops stampede, which end up destroying and probably killing some of the ranchers. <laughs> And as she manages to escape, uh, you know, the, the group kind of falls apart where uh, one of the, ah, um, oh God, I forget what his name was. The guy that ends up working for the CIA. Oh, man. There's uh, a lot of characters in this movie. Yeah, and it's like, we, we really watched him in that movie. Give me one second here and I will find this actor. Well, the character's name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it Justice Smith? No, it was a Franklin. That's the actor. Web? That's, yeah, yeah, that's so, yeah, that's the actor. Um, so it was the character's name was Franklin. Yes. So Franklin is um he's kind of like the tech guy um mm-hmm. and he tells Claire that he can't do this anymore. Uh, he's not getting paid, so he needs like a real job, and that he this was the last time he's gonna help her with this. Which, again, um, if you look at, like, the movie's theme of kind of, like, we're evolving now, it, it, it makes sense. You know, when they were all looking at trying to preserve life on an island that was going to be destroyed, their their plan had a clear focus and it felt like something that was attainable and doable. And, like, it just, there, there, was, there was a naivety that they all had, like, in that last movie that none of them have now they've grown increasingly cynical because the world around them despite the fact that things are changing no one really does anything differently mm-hmm. you know like like it's as we talked about capitalism continues to rule over the world that we live in and um you know it just feels like their their mission has kind of lost focus and it really does kind of open up the what i do think that this movie does best is i and i think i even talked to you about it off air or i'm not sure if it was on air but it it seems like this movie what it really does is it tells you that claire is the character with the real arc in this franchise 
Yeah, I think we talked about it in Jurassic World when I was complaining about how they did Claire dirty in that movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she does have the she does has probably the strongest emotional arc. I forget if it's in this scene or later when she meet, finally meets Ellie Sadler, but there's like this interesting scene where someone like kind of asks her about her motivation and is just like, are you doing this because you care about the animals or are you doing this to seek absolution for your part in this? Mm-hmm. And she like has to be honest and is like a little bit of both. And I'm like, yeah, because I completely understand why you would blame yourself for any of this. Yeah. In many ways, it probably is the reason why she's more committed to the cause than the other people who are involved. Because those characters, though they were in Fallen Kingdom, neither one of them was it were in Jurassic World when the Mm -hmm. park was in existence. And yeah, they they didn't have to play the role that or they didn't have that role that Claire played. Right. Um. And yeah, so the so this cut or one of them brings up if um, if she still talks to Owen, which then cuts to Owen being a cowboy out in Montana, <laughs> and he's like, he's leading what I can only call uh I forget what they're called hadrosaurs, yeah, uh, but he leads like a hadrosaur drive with a like on horseback with two other dudes. <laughs> Which turns, which kind of gives me the. Whereas in this movie, it feels like Claire is the character that's coming into greater focus and is going to have the true arc. I think by now, Owen is the least interesting character and feels the most like he's just going through motions. And I don't know if it's that we generally don't care about Chris Pratt as much as we used to. Or if it's just the fact that because I feel like I don't know I feel like his character is paper thinly written as it was in that first Jurassic World movie, he did feel like the guy who knew you know how to stop more people from dying on that island. So you wanted to believe in him and and the fact that he was the raptor trainer. Mm-hmm. Now it just feels like he's just wandering the world looking for something. And I had this problem in the last movie too, in, in Fallen Kingdom. I feel like ever since you take that character out of the park, mm-hmm. it just feels like he's not as interesting anymore. Yeah, because he doesn't serve that same purpose he served in the park, especially since now his relationship with the Raptors is very antagonistic. Mm-hmm. Like they've taken away probably that part that was most interesting about him. Yeah. He's interesting about him was he's the only human that can actually like keep these dinosaurs in line. And you're just like, wow, this must be like a very interesting dude. He's learned the animal psychology and he's like studied their behavior and he's made himself the alpha. And it's like, but you kill off his pack and then you make blue hate him. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> okay. well, they, they, they're, they're uneasy. They're uneasy allies, right? Like if blue comes back to rescue them in the mansion and now it's like Blue has a child now, too, which they don't really go into how much that is. And I don't know. I think even though Blue's it makes priorities sense, changed, She's even not- though it makes sense that Blue and Owen aren't as close, you know, it, it makes sense that Blue didn't go live with them and become their pet. Like it is a wild animal that does make sense. But at the same time, because Blue is no longer in captivity or no longer in close proximity to Owen's character, it just mm-hmm. doesn't. It just doesn't feel like it, it. Like you don't really know what's going on with the dinosaur itself, and by like contrast, you also don't like again. Owen is just 
entirely less interesting because of it as well. It's just awkward when you characterize your raptor because then it's like, well, you want your raptor to do more than <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But uh but yeah, after he's able to save one of the dinosaurs. I do like that uh that the that the one because there was no raptor named Beta and it was blue instead. You know, mm-hmm. you had like the the Alpha Charlie and well you had Charlie Echo like in Delta and then you had like you know no no beta you it's kind of funny that like blue's kid is going to be nicknamed beta in this i know i was like man what fucking tactical bro was naming all these dinosaurs (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah like after well echo and delta are like the coolest names the other ones suck (laughs) well alpha's stupid bravo isn't bad but they picked blue and which i like more i like blue better than bravo yeah yeah i mean it's definitely less tech bro (laughs) but uh yeah so owen's able to save one of the hadrosaurs um oh and that the, the sorry the one thing i did forget to mention is it feels like macy is more in tune with the raptors this time around than owen so yeah, it just she's it, an abomination and she <laughs> speaks their weird psychic dino language. That's what I mean. It's like that that's all part of the reason why like I feel like Owen is the one character that's done the greatest disservice in this movie by, you know, being focused on as much as he is. My favorite meme is that dang, like all Chris Pratt does in this movie is just hold out di- his hand to dinosaurs, even the ones he didn't train. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like that's actually hella true. It is, yeah. But um, but yeah, after that, um, you know, Owen is kind of he, he's being watched uh from a distance by what I can only call corporate goons. Um, not even corporate goons, they're just like they're they're uh poachers. So that's one of the new realities that uh we they have to live with in Jurassic World is that poachers exist, they take dinosaurs and they sell them on the black market, right? Uh however. Uh, as Owen's being tracked, he ends up going back to his cabin where we meet that, where we see that he's living out in like, yeah, he's living out in the woods with uh, Maisie and with uh, Claire and they're Mm -hmm. kind of become the pseudo family. Um, However, you know, Maisie is like, I think at this point she's supposed to be like 14, 15. Yeah. She's an Um, angsty teenager. It's been four years since, since uh, Fallen Kingdom. So so she's in full-on angsty teenager face <laughs> giving it all hitting all the classics slamming doors stomping when she runs away saying you're not my mom <laughs> even cloned humans will become angsty in their teen years apparently <laughs> and it's just you know like the, there's she keeps trying to go closer and closer to town like there's this scene where she helps a construction crew uh, guide some uh, crap. What are what are they called? The long neck bastards. <laughs> yeah, I forget what the exact because I think it's a different kind of uh, long necked dinosaur than we had previously. Usually, it's the brachiosaur, but this does not look like brachiosaur. It's a little different. It's. I mean, okay. I don't think our movie podcast listeners are gonna care if we get the dinosaur names wrong. No, well, especially because I think it is important to note it now. I'm sorry, but this this dinosaurs have never felt more secondary to the movie to like to the franchise as they do in this movie, which is the yeah. biggest disappointment in all of this. It's dumb because in a world where we have dinosaurs, everyone should still be in awe of dinosaurs. God damn it. 
I mean, it makes sense that they won't be. And at some point, this kind of stuff becomes normal. Like that was what the last the movie we talked about last week was saying in Jurassic World, that people got sick of just going to see people in a zoo in Costa Rica and Mm -hmm. you had to do something different. But I think the problem is just that this movie, it expands the scope. And yet it also just doesn't it doesn't feel as big as it promised it would. Mm-hmm. you know because they're gonna expand the world all right so Maisie gets kidnapped by those guys as you said um they also yeah, kidnap beta so blue and and now owen are basically in a dinosaur human pact where <laughs> owen has to return you know his young his, his blues young as well as grabbing you know Maisie back um so they are now going to you know get into contact with with claire's old associate franklin who's now in the cia uh and it's, the cia and... is finding ways to assassinate dinosaurs <laughs> and make it look like suicide well it's so they're they, they're yeah they're they, he has to go meet with with the cia guy and while this is happening we get the reintroduction of dr ellie sattler played mm. by uh, laura dern and so she goes to a you know a farm out in the middle of who knows where, right? I, I know they put it in the title card, but I just I can't think, recall where it is anymore. Well, it's Alan Grant's original. Um, it's his original. What's it called? The uh, dig site, which I think was in like Wyoming, if I remember correctly. I think it's Montana. I don't know. It's somewhere yeah. in like that northern Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't want to be like that scumbag California guy. So I just want to. It is Montana in that original movie, so I'm gonna assume it's, it's Montana, Montana here as well. <laughs> we love our Montana listeners. We know it's all fucking five of y'all. <laughs> y'all got this. Um. So yeah, we we get this like farm where all the crops have been completely eaten up by these massively disgusting locusts, like prehistoric locusts, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, and, I, put and, in, I put in my notes, when did this become Exorcist 2? Well, yeah, I swear <laughs> I did think about that because we spent so much time talking about locusts. Um, <laughs> Those locust-loving bastards. <laughs> no James Earl Jones in this, though. With um, the locust helmet on. <laughs> yes. I wish this, this movie ended with Chris Perry. Chris Pratt in a James Earl Jones like locust helmet, I probably would have a bigger opinion of this movie. Best movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so the locust kills crops that are non-biosyn crops. Mm-hmm. And this is the part of it where it's like, oh God, it feels a little too too much like the real world. Because right now, obviously, we are in a in a real food shortage danger in the world oh. that we exist in now. And... Also, th- this is where it gets, like you said, very on the nose. Because if y'all haven't look up Monsanto crops and how they're purposely made so that when they pollinate, like pollen, their pollination falls in other crops, mm-hmm. and they will crossbreed with other farmers, like non Monsanto farmers, and then because they have patents on the specific like gene uh, strands made in their crops. They can then legally sue and take those farmers' crops mm-hmm. and essentially just put that a part of these like massive like farms that Monsanto can do. Yes. And it's ridiculous because mm-hmm. it's all legal and it's practices that have been going on for like 20 years. <laughs> there is no greater villain in the Jurassic World franchise and in the world that we live in 
than billion dollar companies yeah it's so crazy and that's why like, they are the real tyrannosaurus rex of the world <laughs> we live in. and that's what's wild because it's so on the nose so i'm sorry you're right the the farm scene takes place in texas which then that's what makes ellie go to uh to montana gotcha but, okay yeah first she goes to texas to go to the farm that's where we see the super locusts and we see kind of where they attack the kids um and one of the kids manages to to keep one alive, which is the sample Ellie then uses. Um, she goes to Montana, and, and yeah, like you said, the first thing she notices is that they're they're not attacking biosyn um, crops. Mm-hmm. So, you know, her in her conspiracy theory mind, biosyn is um, treating these these locusts so that biosyn then becomes the only provider of food in the world. Mm-hmm um so she takes the the locust to alan uh who confirms that it is a prehistoric locust and that the only people that would have any means to make these types of creatures would you know because you're using prehistoric dna would mm-hmm. have to be your big companies your engines your uh biosyn and i forget isn't there like some third company that used to exist in the in the in the um jurassic park lore mm, or was no, it just those two really no it's those two those are the ones Masrani was the company that was bought but that bought up in gen uh in yeah, jurassic that's right. world yeah he was the he was the tesla <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and uh so i guess like in the time since the original jurassic and this lewis dodgen has gone from a secret agent hat wearing mystery guy who like gives barbasol cans for embryos to weigh night to the ceo of this company <laughs> and the fact crazy. that they i think the fact that they've recasted him and the fact that they've made his character so different it just doesn't it is it, i mean it feels more like a nod to that original movie than the fact that he's actually that same character this guy does not feel like the lewis dodgson character from jurassic park but oh not at all but th- this part really does kind of re again it reintroduces the the characters that we remember from the original Jurassic because you know somebody who is now working with Biosyn is uh, you know Ian Malcolm who instead of giving dire warnings to Congress like he was in the last movie he is now like doing lunch and learns for biosyn employees <laughs> so it's funny because from one movie to the next he immediately sells out <laughs> he's talking about how chaos theory dictates that we're going to kill ourselves with dinosaurs <laughs> and immediately he turns around and gives ted talks to the guys that are making dinosaurs it is really funny and it's another one of those like rides of skywalker moments for me where it's just like yeah this guy is very different than the guy who was testifying in congress last time (laughs) and uh, it only works because jeff goldblum has such natural charisma (laughs) this movie works best in the parts where it's claire and the old cast (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with that and anyway did you guys sign up for a fast and the furious style globetrotting adventure movie because that's what the next 30 minutes become baby yeah the, the rest of this movie pretty much becomes that because biosyn they have this giant like you know apple headquarters looking sanctuary in italy um 
and then at the same time you get the Owen Grady and uh and Claire who are like you they're know going also all gonna... over they're going all over the world trying to find uh Maisie so they go into like these like criminal black market hell holes like in <laughs> different parts of the world which I mean, it starts kind of relying on some tropes where it's like, oh, this is where the ethnics hang out. Like, that's what it felt to me. It feels, yeah, it it also (laughs) just feels like a Bourne movie, too. Like, it just, it feels like really different genres that are, like, trying to be put together again. And again, we are now gone, like, minutes and minutes and minutes without dinosaurs again. And you're just like, man, it's like, wasn't this a movie about dinosaurs at one point? (laughs) Like, it's, we do, we will get the scene of Owen being chased by those, like, ultra raptors you know uh through the streets of that italian city i think it's malta is what it's called <laughs> no it's I think it, italian city I no think it, it was malta. called they they named it they named it uh i think it's malta um, I think it's malta you're right. yeah and uh so it's like you just to give him something quote-unquote cool to do it's gonna be him on motorcycles trying to like get raptors to chase him again or luring raptors and it's kind of like a reference to that first movie and they even get like you know one they of the guys that they bad. find that's a that's the secret agent is yeah is, is owens you know uh his cohort from the original jurassic world yeah it was and, his partner that helped him train the the the, the raptors mm-hmm. uh, barry uh, barry's gone french intelligence for some reason like all these people go into the intelligence community and start getting these fucking spy jobs, and you're just like, what qualifies you other than knowing it that? is <laughs> so fast and furious in that way? Because yes, it really is like it's like, yeah, these guys were street racers. Why are they like now stopping terrorist bioweapons? Like <laughs> which hey, I'm game for that kind of stuff sometimes. But I think the fact that this movie is just what fast and furious does is they still do really crazy car stunts in the middle of all of this so despite the fact they're not exactly racing like they were in those early movies they never forget what it was it's cars in space it's cars you know driving through cities hauling giant vaults you know like they 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 always remember what the great parts of it is and i feel like in this movie yes while we get some you know scenes of dinosaurs like sprinkled in here and there it just feels like this movie has kind of gotten too far away from what it was before and and to me because because the original cast are the ones that end up spending more time at the biosyn compound you know seeing the dinosaurs again they feel more it, it feels more like i want to be around them more than mm-hmm. i want to be in this other like fast and furious movie that like owen and claire are in like it feels like two different movies are happening at once and the one i'm more interested in is the one with the original jurassic cast in it because it's the one that's an actual jurassic world or jurassic park movie (laughs) i think because you bring the original cast back and you have them doing something that feels like that feels more like something from that original franchise it's Mm -hmm. the reason why it's the most interesting part because don't get me wrong like the visuals are great during those like during those like chase scenes and stuff mm-hmm. but it's just so jarring it's such a, it looks like, great in the trailer and mm-hmm. it gives you it makes you really interested in watching this movie and i it, but it just it doesn't match how good that scene in jurassic world was where owen and the raptors were going through the forest like that mm-hmm. that felt way cooler 
than this feels. This feels way more forced and it's just not as interesting. So it's like it's it's cool stuff that looks good in a trailer, but I think in terms of thing, how it just doesn't serve the plot of the movie very much. The best thing that comes out of this is uh, again more more like Claire kind of developing as a character because she ends up meeting this is how they introduce um the new character what was her name again kayla watts mm-hmm. um she's the pilot a uh, former air force pilot that she does like she does drop-offs like she'll she'll pretty much deliver dinosaurs no no questions asked just pay me sort of thing like mm-hmm. business model and so she saw um she saw some biosyn goons uh take Maisie, and she didn't do anything to stop it but you know she realizes claire is asking questions about Maisie, so she uh, she urges her to kind of let it go and from there uh claire ends up like almost like fighting one of the black market I don't even know what she was. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I guess she was just another poacher that's kind of like the leader of like the poaching network. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the one that ends up marking like everyone with the with the lasers so that the ultra raptors can go after him. Which you know we got to see Claire, and I think that was like the coolest part of it was seeing Claire uh, also get in on the action and her trying getting chased by raptors, but like no longer being that screaming helpless character we saw in Jurassic World she's she's can hold her own and she finds ways to like survive when she's being attacked as well um she ends up getting bailed out by uh Kayla uh Owen is able to go through the streets of Malta being chased by these raptors meets them at the uh ends up meeting them at the airfield in the last minute like jump <laughs> he's able to make it onto the uh he's able to make it onto the plane um with a raptor nonetheless <laughs> however the motor as the plane takes off the motorcycle comes flying back at the raptor crashes into it and it falls into the ocean um and that pretty much uh takes them once they know that biosyn is uh in the mountains um they give kayla kind of the location and she starts flying them out there mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile we also have um kind of the we have uh Maisie, uh meet henry Wu, who at this point dr Wu looks all kinds of mad and yeah. messed up <laughs> But, uh, you know, he starts talking to Maisie about her origin because she believes that she was cloned. But this is where Dr. Wu drops this huge bomb that um, Maisie was actually, um, even though that she was technically cloned, was not born with a parent or, you know, was was not born in the traditional way. She was genetically altered so that she wouldn't be born with adult Maisie's um, genetic disorder right because mm-hmm. as they found out she was like this brilliant scientist like May, uh, original Maisie was this brilliant scientist that always wanted a child however she was born with this genetic uh, disorder that she didn't find out about until after she was pregnant I believe yes 
But um, Dr. Wu does say she doesn't, you know, she wasn't born or she didn't have a dad. Um, retcon, retcon, ret- this is this is where this they is retcon. all retcon. Yeah, yeah that's this all is where it they is. completely retcon what Maisie was. Maybe they felt like she was too monstrous in the last movie. I was like, and you cowards. <laughs> and they were like, all right, well, we're not going to make her such a human abomination anymore. She has now been officially cloned from the person who you know, is like, you know, now she's being cloned by the person who, who she is the clone of. Mm-hmm. So they want to make it seem less, like a little bit less creepy and more ethical in some ways. Which, I was you know, like, this is <laughs> weird, man. Yeah, it's another one. It's an, it's another strange detour that this movie probably doesn't need to take. But the reason why they do it is because they know that, I guess, you know, whatever this original Macy came up with is is what can reverse all the locusts, you know, destroying the world's food supply problem. Like, I, And it's one of those things where it's like, I guess, sure. Because yeah. <laughs> the idea is that Dr. Wu is going to take the gene that let her mom reproduce asexually, along with Beta and Blue being able to reproduce asexually. He wants to take that gene, use that to kill off the the locusts. Yes. I was like, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. And meanwhile, while this is all happening, we also get a little bit of a heist movie because Ellie... <laughs> it's funny, like Ellie Sadler and Ian Malcolm are like coming up with these plans to steal another sample, all while Alan Grant is arguing with the barista. <laughs> I kind of like this. He's 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 very clearly the boomer that's been dropped into the situation. Uh, you know, it, Ellie and and Malcolm are more hip than 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 uh, you know than than he is, and it's like they even make that. Oh God, it was the cringiest joke ever. But you know, hey, they made the the slide into DMs joke, like oh. which is like it's five years too late. But okay, like fine. I was like, it makes sense though, because that joke is just hitting Facebook, which is something Alan finally <laughs> which figured is exactly out. Exactly where these three characters are in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just funny because like and then and then like what's he what's he's starting to figure out because the whole thing in this movie is that Alan Grant has regrets of the fact that he never told Ellie how, how he felt about her. I don't Which, like this. I, I'm I gonna I'm, I'm gonna argue this here because I think again I think I talked about it when we did Jurassic Park originally, but you know I'm an avid lover and reader of the novel, and one of the things that I at least appreciate that the novel does is there is no relationship between Alan and Ellie. Alan mm-hmm. and Ellie are professional; like they they their relationship is strictly professional. She is mm-hmm. essentially a student or or apprentice of his. And, um, you know, she's already about to be married to someone else. There's no plot about kids and stuff like that. And again, it just feels more like two professionals that are, you know, involved in this situation because it is their area, their, their joint area of expertise. And this one, I get, I get why the original movie did that. I mean, Spielberg always does this thing where he wants to give people some kind of arc, and and maybe it's what endears Alan Grant and Ellie to many people who just watched the movie and mm-hmm. don't have these hangups that come from the novel. I also appreciated that Jurassic Three, like, kind of course corrected a little bit because you know it made Ellie got married to someone else, and even though 
her and Alan had this weird unrequited or like, you know, weird past relationship with each other. It, what I really appreciated about it is that Ellie is the one that ends up saving him by getting him off the island, mm-hmm. despite the fact that, you know, they're not together anymore. You get this sense that they'll always look out for each other. And it's like kind of this lifelong friendship. And then this movie, it just it's it's devol- it feels more like you know, we talked. I don't you know, we, we reviewed Cobra Kai on this show before. Mm-hmm. It feels like that Cobra Kai thing where it's like, all right, well, we're going to bring back Elizabeth Shue and we're going to have her like, you know, and, and Johnny kind of like reminisce about how it was when they were younger. And it just feels more like that. You're like, yeah. all right, well, this, this it, it feels more like you, old people trying to recapture their glory days than it feels like a sweet like love subplot to me. But maybe that's just me and I'm the only one that has this problem. No, I also had this problem. Dominion <laughs> then takes a couple minutes to just be like, you want to see Grandma and Grandpa hump? And it's like, no, I really don't. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, because from there, they came up with a plan um, to go down into the lab sub-level so that they can get another sample from one of the locusts with the help of, I forget what the guy's name is, but he's one of, um, he's one of, uh, like, Malcolm's, like, assistants. No, not Malcolm, sorry. He was one of um, uh, Dodgson's assistants. Mm -hmm. Um it wasn't barry because that's um oh god why isn't on the list here (laughs) but uh, they end up getting help from one of uh dachshund's assistants who uh turns out to be the whistleblower and was the one that even told uh ian malcolm about uh what he saw was going on in biosyn to begin with um he's kind of the mole in the company and he sets up so that these three individuals can uh escape with the sample and get uh Wu's research and co- get a copy of Wu's research and also um use that to create i guess the cure for the locusts um however while there is a plan while there is a plan in place um it goes awry when they end up w- when ellie and alan end up waking up all the locusts which start attacking them as they make their uh harrowing escape now they run into Maisie, who's just kind of walking around after freeing Beta. And I love Beta, and I meant to text this to you because he has my god or Beta has my goddaughter's energy, and that she just jumps up on build or on top of the table, is like, fuck you guys, and just starts breaking everything and runs away. Yeah. And I was like, if this isn't my goddaughter, I don't know who it is. So uh so after uh beta takes off running uh Maisie uses that as a chance to escape she runs into Sattler and Grant uh who then um with the help of the whistleblower try to get onto this um get onto this uh bullet train essentially mm-hmm. uh this tram where they're supposed to meet up with Ian Malcolm who's going to take him to the airfield and all four of them are able to escape back to the mainland that's the plan anyway Mm-hmm. As they as this is going on, <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts. It's where the two movies finally convert. As this is going on, um, Dodgson pretty much realizes what's going what, what's happening. 
he also um they they get the call from Kayla over at the Biosyn sanctuary that she's coming in even though they don't have her um they don't have her uh scheduled for any drop-offs so they end up turning off this defense system that's meant like aerial defense system which is what keeps the essentially the pterodons from attacking and so when they turn it off they're just making their you know they're they're just making their flight like normal and suddenly this giant pterodon attack like as big as the plane comes crashing down and starts destroying the plane uh scratching it up sending them into a free fall i think it's the quetzalcoatlus which i think was a really cool name as someone that's getting into uh aztec lore as the cargo plane starts going down they you know uh, kayla tells them they only have one ejector seat so they give Claire the injector seat and tell her essentially like hey if this parachute doesn't work you have another parachute we will find you so as uh she deploys they have this like front facing camera image of her um the point of view of her which is a lot more flattering than it was in the Batman I'll tell you that right now (laughs) (laughs) and it's like as the shoot goes off it gets attacked immediately by other pterodons <laughs> and she starts falling and I'm like, oh, she's going to I'm like, please don't tell me Claire is the one that suffers the very unnecessary, very vicious death in this movie. <laughs> but it's like, as she gets attacked, um, she pulls the other shoe, ends up falling down to safety, and essentially she has to survive until she meets up with Owen and Kayla. Mm-hmm. And it's like, during that time, she ha- she hides in a swamp from uh, this blind dinosaur with these giant claws, which made me feel super uncomfortable. It was the creepiest dinosaur I've seen them do in a long time. <laughs> and she manages to, you know, but again, we see kind of her, pro- her uh, we see her progression, how she's able to stay uh, cool under pressure. And she's able to... Um, and she's able to hide in the swamp as the dinosaur gets near her. Um, I believe it, I forget which one it was, but um, she's able to kind of escape and go to kind of, to this, um, to kind of like this safe area where she waits for uh, Owen and Kayla. Mm-hmm. Um, Owen and Kayla, you know, the plane crash lands into this frozen lake where they end up getting attacked by a um by another a feathered raptor i didn't yes one thing i do appreciate about this movie that i should say is that this movie is going even further and further into trying to make dinosaurs look more like what they you know what scientists now say that they look like Mm -hmm. and it's not just in this but in certain parts when you see the t-rex t-rex has like furry like stuff on it like you know it's got like hair or fur or feather like it is more like it seems to like it it seems like they've gone out of their way to try to make these animals in some ways look more like what scientists now think that they look like Mm -hmm. yeah they and that uh, you really do um begin appreciating (laughs) so even though it probably doesn't make sense that these things would evolve so quickly 
to different climates, but whatever. It's the it's it's the quote unquote last movie of the franchise, so I'm gonna give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as Owen and Kayla are trying to make their way off of the frozen lake, they get confronted by this raptor, which starts swimming, um, swimming around them on, or under the ice. Uh, as they started going off into a dead sprint, uh, Owen falls through the ice and almost gets killed by the raptor. After a quick last minute save from Kayla, they managed to get on and inside of the inside of the uh, facility, they managed to get their way down, and they're able to save um, Claire from the Dilophosaurus and. You know, viewers will remember the Dilophosaurus as the dinosaur that killed or that blinded and then killed uh, Nedry in the first uh, Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> so after that, um, crap! What did happen after that? I that <laughs> there's so much. This movie's just a- it is nearly two hours and forty minutes long. So it's it, a long movie, y'all. yeah. But in terms of just like the kind of like again, we don't need to recap the entire movie because you would hope that people have watched it before coming to watch this episode. Yeah. But you know, eventually we will get these all of these characters come combined together. We yeah, get right. Alan and Ellie, you know, that are gonna go into the locust pit. <laughs> and think, uh well, we talked about that already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Malcolm ends up saving them from the caves when they're being attacked yep. by dinosaurs. Uh once our four um well once our three uh because it's Mace, uh, that's Al- where they run into Macy. Yeah, they run into Macy. They're able to escape through the through the caves for a Which little I bit. I think it's kind of neat. I think I think it's a neat thing that it's like, all right, because you spend the entire time thinking, okay, how is the old cast and the new cast? Like, how are they all gonna meet each other? And it is interesting, at least, that Macy is the one that's gonna be hanging out with Alan and Ellie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and she's gonna be the one that ends up bringing them back to Owen and Claire. Like they, they, they're it's that's how they're all gonna connect. It's always Alan with kids. That's why. <laughs> and you know what? I do appreciate that being like a running theme in all of these is that, yes, after that original movie where you talk about how Alan, quote unquote, didn't like kids, mm-hmm. yeah, which he didn't in that first movie. But by the end of that movie, it's the best stuff in the novel and in the movie is Alan Grant and the kids. <laughs> so well, again, And it's funny because every movie that he's in, there's some sort of relationship with the kids. It was the Hammond kids in the first one. It was the Kirby's kid in the second one or in the third one, I mean. And then uh, in this one, now it's him and Maisie. You know? mm-hmm. So uh, Malcolm ends up driving them out and on their way to the airfield, uh, they end up getting like a crash. They almost, or the car ends up flipping over mm-hmm. and they managed to like fall almost like precisely where the new people are yes <laughs> and they're how how, they're how to... coincidental of it because this is how like a convenient. massive this is a massive sanctuary but yes sure why the fuck not <laughs> <laughs> that literally has like desert uh winter and forest and but okay yes so they made Managed to uh, they managed to get everyone out of the car. We have this mo- moment of reunion, even though they haven't all met yet. But ma- more importantly, it's just about Maisie, uh, Claire, and Owen mm-hmm. reuniting. Um, 
because you know a lot of Maisie's uh, development comes from the fact that she doesn't know whether she was cloned or whether she's actually human so she feels different she feels like uh she feels like an abomination as i continue to call her throughout the <laughs> podcast series yeah the abomination child the abominable child yes the devil child the cursed <laughs> child if you will yes the non-human if you will <laughs> so terrible but even she was surprised when she saw that Claire and Owen literally went halfway across the world to save her mm. from uh, Biosyn. So they have this uh, beautiful reunion, which gets destroyed almost immediately after a Gigantosaurus attacks them. Um, we also we, we, we get a couple of uh, instances where the Gigantosaur and the T-Rex kind of cross paths, but don't fight. So the Gigantosaur... Um, However, being the biggest uh, carnivorous animal. And I love how there's like a little dick measuring contest between Grant and uh, and uh, <laughs> and Owen because Grant says that and then Owen says it. Yes. Or I think Owen says it and no one realizes it and then Grant says it. And, and Owen's like, yeah, I just said that. And then uh, so they managed to... Uh, find some they, they they find safety within this weird like mobile lab paddock where as the creature is about to eat um or we get a, two cool things that happen here because uh Ian Malcolm ends up falling um and becoming separated from the group and while the gigantosaurus starts attacking uh the the main lab area he essentially does what he did in the first movie where he creates a torch so that he can try to distract the monster or the monster, the, the dinosaur from, uh, from attacking his friends. Uh, so we get a nice little callback moment to Jurassic Park. However, him being an older man, this is a terrible idea, uh, but they managed to save him, uh, pull him onto the lab. And before Owen can get eaten by the gigantosaur, uh, Kayla ends up shooting it right in the face and it's crazy because I think they all get some licks in <laughs> like as it's trying to bite Owen he ends up like stabbing it a bunch with his knife yeah um Claire ends up shot like tasing it in the eyeball which oh, I was like oh god it, it's, it feels like it's a it's like a like a, a reminiscent of that original T-Rex scene from the original Jurassic mm-hmm. because you're also going to get uh, you know the Malcolm doing the flaming branch trying to call its attention away yeah. as well it's just this is the kind of like all right well here here's your here's your dinosaurs goddamn <laughs> you want it oh it's the jurassic park show nerds here it is <laughs> here's your dinosaur you bunch of babies is what it feels like it's the most here damn like <laughs> dinosaur scene i've ever seen in this franchise they build this dinosaur as the main like antagonist of this movie the same way as spinosaurus and uh mm-hmm. indominus and indoraptor and it spent the least amount of time on screen it only really gets one scene like where the humans are escaping from it and before the movie's over it's going to get murked by the tyrannosaur oh i love it (laughs) (laughs) i like that part of it but i think it's just we didn't spend enough time with it and uh, the design is kind of lackluster i think it's Jurassic, just a giant I think, T-Rex. <laughs> I think, well, no, no, no. It's just like, it's a design. It's just not that it's, 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 it's lame. It feels generic. 
And I think one of the things that Jurassic has never been able to escape is that it's T-Rex design and the Raptor design are just so iconic at this point mm-hmm. that it's just like every time they try to make something else the villain, even though Indominus was pretty interesting and Indoraptor can be interesting, it's just there's something about the look and design of the T-Rex in the Jurassic Park movies that's kind of classic. <laughs> and it just feels like it doesn't like nothing messes with it. Not at all. I think it's the giant head, honestly. Yeah. All right, y'all. Sprint to the finish line. <laughs> at this <laughs> Much point, like this movie. At this point, we're two hours into the movie, y'all. And I was like, okay, cool. So this movie's gonna end soon. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so at, from this point on, Dodgson realizes that the, the breach of the locust pen. So <laughs> the I mean, clearly the answer is to destroy the samples. Um, also eliminating any evidence of Biosyn's uh, involvement in this like fabricated uh, drought that's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. at this point, they have destroyed a bunch of America's food supply and are a- actually beginning to jump continents. Yes. So as he presses the purge button and they set fire to all the uh, locusts, the locusts end up like breaking through the ventilation system and fly out into the sanctuary, like like outer perimeter, and just start dying and come crashing down like comets. And it's very it actually is even reminiscent of Fallen Kingdom because the dinosaurs start getting hit by these like burning chunks of insect. Which so, it does kind uh, of start some bizarre wildfire, like in some areas, and I'm a little again a little too close too close for me to the world that we're living in (laughs) but okay so the biosyntax end up calling all the dinosaurs back to the uh kind of their holding pens so as they start returning though uh at this point the sanctuary is essentially burning to the ground um which is starting to put the staff in uh in danger so they end up uh evacuating everybody and uh, they end up leaving, or because of the evacuation sequence beginning, uh, all the defense systems are off. So uh, our heroes aren't able to escape and, uh, by helicopter until they turn the defense systems back on. So that way they don't get attacked by the giant pterodons flying around the sanctuary. So uh, as they go in, they break off into teams. Uh, Owen, Maisie, and Alan go to try to save uh, Beta so that they can bring uh, her back to Blue. Uh, meanwhile, Ellie and uh, Claire go into like the main power grid so that way they can um, they can save or they can uh, turn off the, the, or they can turn back on the defense systems Mm -hmm. where they end up getting attacked by a bunch of, uh, by a bunch of locusts. But, you know, with the use of their tasers and stuff, they just end up like murdering them all. (laughs) Until finally they're able to turn the power back on. And then we get a moment where as beta is kind of like hunting um, and stalking uh, the other group, uh, Maisie is able to use like what she learned from Owen, but to try to control uh, Beta. Yes, and they had, and so Grant and Owen begin separating, and they actually start triangulating, which was the very um, 
which was the behavior Grant was talking about way back in Jurassic Park. So it was really cool to see that, you know, the, the Grant analog in this series and the original Grant, and now what I can only call baby Grant are all uh, kind of doing this, uh, you know, raptor herding. They managed to save Blue and they uh, escape as Kayla kind of preps the helicopter uh dodgson tries to escape as well but he ends up getting attacked and dying at the hands of the uh, dilophosaurus just the way nedry did trying to finish the mission for him back in uh the original jurassic park and as uh our heroes get into the helicopter or you know manage to get on the helicopter of course we all have to pause and watch the dinosaur fight that's about to go down. Yes. I also Even... do appreciate I do appreciate the scene where uh goodness um our pilot what is what Kayla. is the character's name? Kayla? Kayla? Yeah. Yeah, Kayla. I do appreciate that Kayla she says this twice, but I do appreciate that she does she does everybody hold on to something. And uh-huh. for those of you us like us who've watched all of these movies, that has to feel like at least somewhat of a glancing nod to Hold on to your butts by the legendary <laughs> Samuel Jackson from Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh God! So as the uh, we see the gigantosaur and the um and the tire uh, the T Rex uh, fight, the gigantosaur gets the upper hand and looks like it knocks the Tyrannosaurus unconscious. <laughs> and as yeah, I thought it was dead, and I thought they were gonna. I was like, oh God, you guys are gonna do this thing again. All right. And it's like as it starts to roar, the Therizinus, the Therizinosaurus, that's the blind one with the massive claws, which apparently yeah. is a real dinosaur, also known as Javi's nightmare fuel, <laughs> starts approaching the um the gigantosaurus and is just like, sup, bitch, round two. Giganotosaurus is the official name of this dinosaur. <laughs> Fucking nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Tell those science bitches to go to hell. It's a gigantosaurus. <laughs> gigantosaurus. My name is super better than their stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, like the more I look at it, the more it actually does look gigantosaurus. <laughs> I am gigantosaur. <laughs> I swear, I thought that's what it was too, but they 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 do call it Giganotosaurus. Shut up, those nerds are stupid. Although <laughs> there's another G in it, and so it can't be Gigantosaurus. It, it, it is Giganotosaurus. No, it's the same thing. Gigantos Gigantosaurus Giganotosaurus Giganotosaurus. <laughs> this is gonna derail the entire episode. <laughs> we just got railroaded by. <laughs> Gigantosaurus, just for fucking. At this point, just for continuity's sake, I just gotta keep calling it a Gigantosaurus. <laughs> you could just call it a Giga too. Whatever. 
Anyway, the T-Rex ends up waking up because someone flashes their lights, kind of like, you know, when a boxer gets knocked unconscious. And you can tell he's, like, concussed, but for some reason they send him back out there. <laughs> so the the T-Rex ends up getting up and shoves the, the Gigasaurus, <laughs> the Giganotosaurus, <laughs> into the other dinosaur's claws, killing it. And then it rips the other dinosaur's throat <laughs> And I was like, wow, that was very cool, but super anticlimactic. <laughs> wow, this is super dumb, but kind of cool. <laughs> but of course, we get that moment where it like turns around and starts roaring and it reminds everyone who's the king lizard of them all. <laughs> yeah, very Godzilla moment at the end of this. Uh, and then we're going to then we get the post all of this happening, much like the Lost World Jurassic Park, which is the only one we haven't reviewed yet. Uh, at the end, this this uh, dinosaur, you know, in like sanctuary ends up remaining a sanctuary for the dinosaurs that live there. Yet there's still other dinosaurs that will continue to live in the world. And you see like kids feeding compies like at the steps of some like government building where mm-hmm. Ellie and Alan are right outside. And Alan like makes a joke. I'll never get used to that, which, you know, is a funny joke. I like that. Um and you get, like, I guess, where all of these characters are going from here. Uh, and really, the most interesting ones are Alan, Alan and Ellie, uh, because they will continue to, to advocate. They will now continue to, I guess, uh, globetrot and, and look into how they can make the world a better place, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah, because the movie closes with the voiceover by original Macy kind of talking about you know like the learning to live together mm-hmm. and how it's you know learning to appreciate our differences or some shit i don't know she yeah. gave some hippie speech which you know what at the end of the original novel like which is like grant and the kids like sitting poolside at a costa rican like you know a hotel where mm-hmm. they're basically like being interviewed by like government agents and stuff like that letting them know that 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 there are areas in south america where raptors are now like you know gone in the world like there is there is always this like thing in the novel where it's like eventually these things are going to get out and it's going to be in the world and we are going to you know live with it as as much as we can so Mm -hmm. we kind of end up in in the ending of the last movie again but again, whereas the other one seemed a lot more pessimistic and felt like, oh my God, we're going to watch like a seismic change of a change of events in the world. This feels more like, no, it's just, this is the world that we live in now and we will continue to live in it uh, because that's just where we are now. That's who we are for we it's are. It's climate change. It is a man-made disaster that we are all just living in now. And, you know, some people will probably just continue to ignore its existence. Dinosaurs Honestly. don't exist to no. Republicans in this world. <laughs> uh, the ending had very Transformers vibes. Like, hey, dinosaurs, <clears throat> we're waiting for you. <laughs> Come to this planet. But no, roll credits, and that was our movie, Jurassic World Dominion. So, Angel, <laughs> did you like this movie? Again, I liked it when I first got out of the movie. I don't like it as much now. And I think talking about it has just really kind of continued to point the finger at the things I didn't like about it. It's just there wasn't enough dinosaurs in it. It went in too many different directions. It didn't feel like a Jurassic movie in lots of ways. 
and I'm just a little disappointed by it. They just didn't stick the landing in a way that I wish they would have. But you know, it is it it, it could have been much worse. <laughs> I I I, I kind of like it. I wouldn't tell people not to watch it. You know, if you want to watch it, watch it. Like it is another movie in this franchise. It brings back the characters that you cared about, and it is nice to see them again. Um. It's better than Fallen Kingdom. I mean, I really didn't... Looking back at that movie, that movie's probably the least interesting in this franchise at this point. Like, you could easily just jump from Jurassic World into this now, outside of Mm -hmm. the Macy storyline. And it just feels like that second movie was more of a detour. It's it's weird, right? Because it is... It's not that it's a bad movie. It's just not good. Like, it's it's still... It's not that good. It's entertaining, like, I'm not going to sit here and say I wasn't entertained by it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a popcorn summer movie. Like, if you want to go watch it, you're not like, it's not like we're going to yell at you talking about your, this, what are you doing? This isn't a work of art, like Triple X State of the Union. Like, how dare you? <laughs> I think we all just expected more from it. Yeah. And I think the disappointment in it is it just didn't really meet those massive expectations that the movie probably. It didn't meet that level that it felt like this was going in at the end of that last movie. So, uh, how did you feel about weird. this movie? Yeah, like I'm, I, I gotta say, I don't, I guess I'm gonna say I don't like it just because, like, I didn't, like, there are things that I liked in the movie. Like, I like Claire's progression as a character. I like the, I like the legacy characters coming back. I hated the, some of the storylines they tried to force on them. I mean, fucking. I hated the retcon for Maisie. I hated uh, I hated how paper thin Owen became. Like you said, the fact that there isn't that many dinosaurs is a pretty big letdown. Like there's a lot of, in this movie not that you could dislike. But that being said, like the action sequences and stuff, it's entertaining. Like the movie has entertainment value. It's just one of those movies that I don't think you're going to be writing home about or like telling people you got to go watch this. Like the day we do a Multiverse of Madness episode, that I, that is prepare for an hour and a half gush episode from Avi. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I'm just preparing you right now. Right. Um, but this movie, like... Yeah, it, like it was entertained. I did have fun. I enjoyed seeing like a lot of the characters, but I felt like ultimately it wasn't as satisfying as I expected it to be. And it's weird because I don't, I didn't know what I expected this movie, but I felt the movie set its expectations by itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, and I think it suffered from not knowing what it wanted to do, and whether it wanted to give us this action-packed summer blockbuster movie or wanted to give us this like, not necessarily wholesome. Uh, because I'm not saying Jurassic Park is like a wholesome story, like or a wholesome series, but it does have this like, um, it has this gentleness, and I think it approaches it approaches like this weird subset of what you can only describe as mad science with a healthy respect and curiosity where, yeah, these things are monsters, but it also explores, well, can monsters, do monsters deserve to still be treated well right Mm -hmm. and i think it doesn't count it does encapsulate that part which i thought was really cool but yeah like you can wait till this movie comes out on like hbo i want to go if we didn't if we weren't doing an episode i I, yeah i would have waited 
All right. So uh, we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show. Uh, we appreciate you guys continuing to follow us on social media. Please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts uh, and rate the show uh, so we can raise awareness of the show. Please rate our show on Spotify if that's where you listen to us now. Because, again, it just helps us. It only helps us when you do this. Uh, Doesn't and, help uh, you at all. <laughs> and we appreciate you guys continuing to follow us as we did work out a lot of the scheduling kinks. And it feels like this summer we're returning to more of a regular output of movies. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we really appreciate you guys continuing to follow the show. And uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. So we'll talk to you guys next time. Later, nerds. Later, nerds.